Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along on the 1st of September, that summer done and dusted for 2023. And I think we'll look back and think what a damp squid of a summer it was. But there is a little bit of good news because there's some warm temperatures on the way. And we often do talk about getting good Septembers and we maybe we'll be talking about an Indian summer and where does that phrase uh, come from. And it's important, I think, that we get a dry weekend because this is the weekend that uh, thousands will be flocking to Electric Picnic in uh, County Leash. Now today, certainly they have a mixture of sunshine with the occasional uh, showers, but temperatures uh, today on 20 degrees. That's nice for camping out. And tomorrow, while well, it'll be a dull uh, start, tomorrow uh, is going to be um, basically a sunny day and it should be a dry day for most of the country tomorrow and temperatures starting to creep back up a little bit. 22 degrees is the tops for tomorrow and uh, Sunday, a mixture of cloud but there will be lots of uh, spells of hazy sunshine uh, again and temperatures again up uh, in some areas around 22 degrees. So a nice nice weekend for the for, for the start of September and say especially for the electric picnic people enjoy. Don Paul's take in your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. 0818103103. We have had a few calls already this morning, uh, including I think Declan in Grenade was the first to make contact uh, with us. And this is to do with customers who were on the three mobile network. Some were saying that they didn't have mobile data this morning. They can make and receive calls, but there's no data. Now, we've obviously contacted three to find out what is uh, going on. But then John Paul checked our uh, work phone that we have for the programme, that's actually on the three uh, network and he realised we didn't have data on ours either. So he did what every good engineer tells you to do. Turn it on, turn it off and turn it back on again. And he said it did and the mobile data has come back. So that might work for some. I'm not saying it's going to work for all, but it might work for some who've been having a problem with mobile data for three. Turn your phone off and back on again and your data should uh, return. Now, the I, it certainly... 
It came as no surprise to me uh, yesterday to hear that the number of adult children still living with their parents stands at more than a half a million people. Now, these are the latest figures that are coming out from the Central Statistics Office. We all filled in our census uh, last year and, of course, bit by bit over the next number of years. They release different pieces of information and they look at different categories of the various questions that we answered on census night. So the report that's out at the moment is the latest one is households, families and uh, childcare. And adults living with their parents has increased by 14% since the previous census in 2016 and it stands at over a half a million adult children still living at home. It was an increase of 63,612 since 2016 and if you look back to 2011 it was an increase of over 83,000. More than half of all the adults living with their parents are working just a very small percentage who are still living at home or are not working. Just 4% of women and 8% of men were unemployed but the bulk of them are working while living at home with mum and dad and many of them of course still still sleeping in the bedroom that perhaps they grew up uh, in and that can be difficult for some uh, adults. The one thing we don't get of course because that information isn't contained in the census and I would be really interested if we could get figures on how many of those young adults had moved away at one point and have been forced now to move back home. And of course, when this, the Central Statistics Office were releasing those figures, it was just a coincidence that the figures were also being uh, released on the average rent prices. For example, the average rent in Dublin has gone up to a record €2,102. My goodness, how much would you need to be earning? Imagine a single person getting a job in Dublin or a student trying to live in Dublin. Crazy, crazy figures. And then nationally, I think the average is over 1500 a month in uh, rent. Rents for new tenancies were up just under 9% in the last uh, 12 months. And this is the latest rent index for the Residential Tenancy uh, Board. And uh, no sign, by the way, of rents letting up because the report also states that rents for have gone up 2.5% nationally and that's just for the last three months of this year. But the CSO findings on the number of adults living at home, that actually also follows data that was released by Eurostat earlier this month, which shows the number of Irish adults living with their parents was almost double what it was a decade ago. And commenting on the figures was a senior lecturer at TU in Dublin. He's a housing policy analyst, guy by the name of Dr. Lorcan Sir. And he said there is more, there's actually more housing now than there was in 2016. But the problem is that even though there's more housing, it's not appropriate or it's not available to young adults who are looking to leave home and set up on their own. The market just doesn't suit uh, young adults. He said half of the new houses came to the market to buy in 2017. But now that figure stands at just 20%. And he said there's no suitable accommodation, particularly for single uh, adults. It's simply too expensive. On the surface, he says, if you're physically counting houses and apartments, there are more. But they're simply too expensive. Are they too small? Are they only available to rent? So for young adults trying to purchase their own property, which is something we, the Irish, like to do. It's almost in our psyche. We don't see buying a house almost as a choice. We see it as a necessity, which I think it's different to how other countries view 
renting a property versus owning a property. We've always wanted to own our own home uh, in Ireland. And there is a shift away from that through no fault of through no, it isn't the choice of people that shift away from it. It's just they can't afford it. So it'll be for future generations going forward. One wonders: Will there be that same uh, that same need to purchase their own property? Because we're going to have a generation of young people who will grow up in a house that's rented with their parents and one wonders will they go on then to stay in that mindset of renting I suppose only time will tell but just on the adults living with their parents we like to always break down the Central Statistics Office from a local point of view for us here in Cork so how many Adults or adult children are still living with their parents. Uh, according to the last census, 60,694 adults, that's 14% of all those over 18 in the county are still at home with mum and dad or mum or uh, dad. And that's a 12% increase on the census in 2016. Galway City, by the way, had the lowest proportion of adult children still uh, living at uh, home. But one in six, which worked out at 16% of all adults in the McCroom electoral area are living with their uh, their parents and that was the highest rate in the county. So the highest amount uh, living in living in the house of mum and dad are in McCroom. Anthony listening uh, to us about living back home as an adult uh, child. Uh, Anthony is living at home. He says he pays €100 Euro a week towards rent and uh, bills. He simply can't afford to move out from his parents' house. He said he'd love to but nothing affordable um, where close by where he lives. He did at one stage uh, live away from home due to work, but he's now back at home. And I'd say you are not on your own on that. The number of people who were forced to move back uh, because of rising uh, rent costs and a number of people as well. number of couples opt to, you know, one might go home to the mother, one family's house, the other part of the couple might go to the other, their parents' houses, and they do it to save and try and get a deposit together. That's been quite common uh, for quite some time. 0818103103. We got an answer back, by the way, from the council During the week we were contacted from somebody who is living in a housing estate that said has recently been taken over by the council. But the problem that this person who lives in this estate has is that some other resident has started almost running a business from their property in that they're buying and selling cars. And because of that, there are a number of cars while they're waiting to be sold parked on footpath footpaths and this listener was saying that it's even tricky for her to get into the entrance of her own property because of the way some of these cars are parked. She also felt it looked a bit unsightly and she was wondering could the council not do anything about it. Well we got onto the council and we put all those points to the council and they've come back and said nothing to do with us that these are all matters for Angarda Corner. but I'm sure the initial listener who contacted us said they'd been onto the Gardaí who said it was nothing to do with them. But anyway, Cork County Council are saying absolutely it's to do with the Gardaí and they point out some of what could be breaches of laws in which the Gardaí could get involved. For example, parking on a footpath, that's a traffic offence. Obstructing an entrance is a traffic offence. Parking with undue care to create an obstruction for other road users, that's a traffic offence. And all vehicles using are parked on a public roadway must have valid road tax and not having same is a traffic offence. But I don't know if there's up-to-date tax or not on the cars. So to that listener, go back to, if because I'm sure 
before you did say in your original commentary that you were back, that you you tried the Gardaí, go back to the Gardaí and say we've been on to the council and the council say it's the responsibility of the Gardaí and let us know how you get on. Today is the first day of September and today is the date that sees the reintroduction in the excise duty on petrol and diesel. Also sees the return of the full rate of VAT on the hospitality sector going back up to 13.5%. Personal Finance Editor with the Irish Independent, Charlie Weston, says the Irish consumer cannot keep taking financial hits. And uh, Charlie joins me. Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning, Patricia. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be agreeing with you on this one. Is there a feeling and do you have a sense that the Irish government doesn't seem to be taking the cost of living crisis seriously? I would agree with you, Patricia. I think that is the case that the you know the government is supposed to be tackling the cost of living crisis, but it's it's a lot of a lot of people would say it's adding to it. I mean, today we're going to see a couple of big body blows uh, for the finances of, of ordinary people. Petrol and diesel are going to go up for the second time because the, the the gradual reintroduction of the higher excise duty it was reduced last March because the government recognised it was a problem. Uh, you know, petrol and diesel prices were at record highs. Uh, the, uh, consumers are under pressure and also businesses because increases in diesel prices have a knock-on effect all over the place with transport companies and adds to the cost of food, etc. So from today, the second increase in the restoration of the full excise duty uh, process goes ahead today and an extra seven cent comes on your petrol, diesel up five cents, uh, and then there'll be more again in October and it comes at the same time and that will go up on a uh, whole range of things, you know, that there was a reduced rate of VAT of 9%. It goes back up to 13.5% today. So that means if you go into a deli counter and get a sandwich at lunchtime and a coffee, they're likely to go up now in the next few days. Your hairdressing will go up. If you're, you know, able to go out for a meal in a pub or a restaurant, that'll be more expensive. If you have a few bob and can stay in a hotel, that'll be more expensive. Um, and all the while, inflation in food is at double the, the rate of general inflation. You know, people know that from filling their trolleys. Um, they've been very careful about what they put into their trolleys but they, because they know it's become more expensive. And energy bills remain at record highs, Patricia. We have the most expensive energy in Europe. Uh, our electricity is the most expensive across the 27 countries that make up the European Union. And we have the fourth most expensive gas prices. Home heating oil is about €1,120 for a 1,000 litre fill. So I'm afraid it's going to be another expensive winter. And the the feeling is the government just don't appreciate the pressures that households are under and people are furious about this. Absolutely uh, livid about it, Patricia. You should see the amount of texts and calls that we've been getting into the programme of uh, of late. You are right, it's, it is fury, there's anger there. It's like we're just not getting a, a break. I mean, just on the excise duty, were you surprised that they didn't pause today's hike? I mean, it's not that they can't afford to do it. Very surprised that they, could have, that they didn't at least hold out until the new year. Um, and then, you know, certainly there were calls made for them to do that by the petrol retailers and diesel retailers. You know, the garages, they called for a pause and they said, look, it's coming at a really bad time. You're talking about the expense of back to school. The winter months are coming up, so the heating systems are going back on. People don't have options, uh, you know, outside of the big uh, cities for public transport, really. There aren't good transport options. So 
people are very dependent in this country on their cars, and of course, it has such a huge knock-on effect on everything else. You know, if if if, uh, if it costs a lot more to fill a HGV, well, that you know that impacts on everything because you know, transport costs go up. It 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 knocks on on other things. So, very surprising that they didn't hold off on this. It seems a foolish thing to have done, and they really, really might be wise to consider the October increase and hold off on that because people are at the pin of their collars here, can't take much more, feel that they're being, you know, st- stuffed, uh, hit every which way. Uh, they just feel they're taking so many knocks that it's, it's getting very difficult. And and it couldn't have come at a worse time either because uh, everyone had started to notice that the cost of the petrol pumps, it was slowly, slowly, slowly going back up. A listener says, would Charlie agree with the AA that it'll, it will hit the two, two euro a litre and that's going to happen sooner rather than later. We're getting close to that already. I was writing about that last week, saying we're close to the two euros. And it's, you know, the, the increasing the excise duty it comes at a time when crude oil prices are going up anyway. And, you know, the, the retailers have to take those prices. They get prices on a daily basis. And when they get a delivery, it's 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 going up all the time because the Saudi Arabians and um, the other OPEC members are restricting the supply of crude oil to try and keep prices high. So... You know, you have excise duty going up at a time when prices are going up anyway. So it just seems really bad. And yeah, we're we're in danger of going back to that two euros a litre for diesel and petrol. And that's psychologically very difficult for people to cope with. Um, And it'll make it, you know, some difficult choices will have to be made by households because that really takes a lot of money out of, out of household budgets when, when we get back to these kind of elevated prices. I heard uh, Minister Michael McGrath during the, during the week, I mean, he's intimating and almost giving a promise that there will be at least one €200 Euro energy credit in October's budget, similar to some of those credits that we got last year. But isn't the bigger issue the costs that we as householders are paying for electricity and gas? I mean, doesn't that just need to be tackled? It really does. I mean, we have a dysfunctional system in this in this country, an energy system that's just not, it's just not delivering for households. When we have the most expensive electricity in Europe, questions need to be asked, serious questions need to be asked about how we regulate the system. We have a regulator that, that just can't get involved in, in prices. They can't even go in and look the books of the likes of Borgosh and SSE Electricity, Energia and Electric Ireland and, and, and see you know, is this argument that they keep making, they say they can cut prices for households because they're locked into these long-term deals, so-called hedges. <clears throat> you know, but the regulator can't even go in and look at the books of these companies and, and see if that is correct. We have no transparency. So the system is not delivering for the ordinary punter. Uh, we, we, you know, punters feel like they're they're getting you know really raw deal here, having to pay for very expensive electricity. We have very high transmission and distribution charges in the electricity system. And questions need to be asked, why is this so? Why are consumers having to pick up the costs all the time and being hit with really elevated charges and costs? Uh, um, you know, and, 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 and why have we got a system that just doesn't work for people? And people are very annoyed about that. We're waiting patiently for, for price cuts, which don't seem to be happening fast enough. We know that wholesale energy prices are still high, but they have come down. And really, you know, how come Electric Ireland was able to cut prices for businesses? But not for households. Not for households. And and someone else is asking about, and I was going to ask you about a windfall tax. Where is the much promised and talked about windfall tax? Well, there's supposed to be two separate complicated windfall taxes. There's supposed to be one that, that, that applies to 
the Corrib and, and, and the Whitegate refinery, that's probably due coming coming in, in, in September. But the, the other one, which is the windfall tax on, on the super profits that the renewable energy, the wind farms are making, that's only just been agreed by Cabinet. It hasn't gone into the doll yet, so that's months away. And You know, there's a bit of, there's a, bit of a lot of foot dragging going on here. We were promised this windfall tax. You know, by the time it does come in, the, the, the windfall gains that these, these um, en- uh, renewable energy companies are making would probably have disappeared. So, you know, it's all very well talking about this. This is an EU initiative. We really take forever to do anything in this country when it, when, you know, when it comes to benefiting consumers. The, 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 it's, so it's, it's a way off, Patricia. Just, well, yeah, you know, we should, have, we should have moved much, much quicker. We spoke yesterday about the announced increases in, in health insurance. I mean, with some really saying they're going to have to give up health insurance because if you're trying to put food on the table and keep the lights on and put the petrol or the diesel into the car. Uh, and then I, somebody pointed out yesterday, if, if a number of people give up their private health insurance, all that does is put additional strain on the public system. That is, is exactly. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a kind of it's a, it's a safety valve, isn't it, for the for the public system when people take out private health insurance because they're generally going to private uh, clinics and health hospitals. And you know, we've seen savage increases: two increases from Leia, two increases from Irish Life Health, and then this week a second increase from BHI and a second big increase as well, which could add something like four hundred euros to what the typical family will have to pay if they renew on the same plan. So. People need to do a bit of work here and, um, you know, see if they can't get a, 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 a more cost-effective plan because uh, otherwise they'll be forced to give, give up their health insurance. And, yeah, that, does, that just doesn't work for the system at all, particularly if younger people opt out because they're the ones least likely to make to claims. use it. Yeah, yeah. OK, some questions in for you. Um, um, Ed says, could you ask Charlie, why do we have an energy regulator? They sound as if they're near to useless. Well, yeah, the energy regulator does a lot of complicated stuff in the background, but is not allowed to get involved in in in, in price, uh, you know, regulating prices. Unlike other countries, like in England, they they have much more intrusive regulation. They have price caps on energy. We have a complete hands-off approach here. It's the way it's set up, and it just you really have to question why we've had an energy crisis now for since, since you know well before the Ukrainian invasion. Uh, it goes back to the supply chain issues around COVID. And it, it was obvious that the system isn't working, that we need more intrusive regulation, but it hasn't happened. So, you know, I think people need to ask their TDs about this. Why do we not have much more intrusive regulation across a whole range of things here? Banking, insurance, uh, you know, uh, energy in particular. We just seem to have a lazy, laissez-faire hands-off, automatic approach where no, the consumer and, doesn't and, get the And we saw what happened with the banks by that type of approach. Okay, a couple of other uh, just quick comments. Uh, firstly, Charlie was on Primetime last night discussing the energy crisis. He was excellent, so you can take that compliment, Charlie. And right. does Charlie see any deflation on the horizon or are these new inflated prices with us permanently? It does seem it's going, as if it's going to be an expensive win, winter, Patricia. You know, it, 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 it's not helping to get inflation down when you have diesel, petrol um, going up, when you have a whole host of uh, things like hairdressing and, and, and um, delis and ca- cafes having to charge more because the VAT has gone up. Um, it, it just seems crazy. And so, unfortunately, that means we could have more mortgage rate increases. Like, we've had nine already. We've had nine. European Central Bank rate rises. I just can't see anything. You know, we, we, the hope was that inflation would calm down a bit. 
But, um, you know, it, it, if the government is pumping up the taxes, it, it, it doesn't help to control inflation, unfortunately. OK, and just very finally, we, you know, we often have lis- hear listeners talk about uh, the greed, what they purport to be the greed of companies. Do you believe some are using the cover of inflation just to keep our prices up? Or yeah, keep well, their profits up? Don't believe me on it. You know, Philip Lane, the chief economist at the European Central Bank, said there was evidence of this across Europe, you know, where companies were using the cover of general inflation to, to put the stuff to, to puff up their profit margins, you know. So they were sneaking in prices that increases that they didn't need to sneak in and doing other uh, sneaky things like, um, you know, uh, shrinkflation where you get less but you're paying the same. They were doing. They're doing all this uh, to, to at a time when they don't need to do it. Take take Diageo, which owns Guinness. Did they really need to have a second increase recently? Because their profits are huge and have been increasing. So yes, I think greed greedflation is a, is is a factor in what's going on at the moment. And this is what happens when you have no regulation whatsoever. When it's a free for all. You get companies able to do that, exploiting the situation for their own benefit. Which is shocking. Listen, Charlie, always a pleasure. Thank you for that, and have a good weekend. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Charlie Weston, who is uh, the um, with the Irish uh, Independent. He is the personal finance editor uh, with the Irish Independent. Always great for a chat and always great for saying it as it is. Patricia, we can complain all we want, says a listener, but the government don't seem to care. Most of the time, our TDs don't even turn up when there's a dull debate. They don't care. And why would they? We still vote them in. Dan in Rathmore says he watched that primetime programme that Charlie Weston featured in last night about gas and electricity prices. Uh, Now, I didn't see the programme, but Dan said even on that programme, the ESRI, which is the government think tank, suspect that there is illegal price fixing going on here and we're all being fleeced by the energy companies. But the minister... Eamon Ryan, the government and the regulator are doing nothing to stop this. They're useless. Our local TDs need to be escalating this. Yeah, and that's exactly what uh, Charlie said as well. And Heidi says, Patricia, your guest speaker, Charlie Weston, is telling us what is wrong, but why are we not getting all of these issues sorted uh, out, says Heidi. And that's where Charlie is pointing the finger of blame back on the government and back on the regulators. Tomorrow, 2nd of September, is National Services Day in Ireland and it's a day when the public can come and meet frontline workers to talk about what's planned for Cork. I'm joined by Jer O'Dee. Jer is the Community Engagement Manager with the HSE Ambulance uh, Service. Good morning to you, Jer. Good morning, Patricia. Now, just for a bit of background on this, I believe, is this the 10th year of this National Services Day? When and why did it all start? It is, Patricia. So, um, 10 years ago, um, Leo, Leo Verreichert at NT Shook, um signed it into the Irish calendar to say that it would be a national day to recognise all of the emergency, security, voluntary and rescue services in Ireland um, and ha- have a day where they can have a parade. Um, typically, it, w- it was to be in Dublin as a, a national day. They, they wanted to keep it in the capital. Um, <laughs> but I suppose, like everything else, um, COVID um, you know, stopped everything. But I suppose coming out of COVID, we decided, uh, or I suppose the committee decided that let's take it regional. Um, so we brought it to Cork and we brought it to, to Limerick and we brought it to Waterford and, and other places. But I suppose coming out coming out of COVID was, was a great opportunity for us to be able to, to bring it down to Cork, involve, you know, everybody from the, the whole county of Cork 
Um, and since then, it, it's growing from strength to strength. Um, you know, like that there's people kind of asking us now, when is this going to be happening? Where Great. are you going to be? So I suppose this year, um, unfortunately, we can't do a parade this year just due to manpower issues. But um, thankfully, Mountain Point Shopping Centre are giving us their um, overflow car park. Um, and that would be typically the, the car park that would have been used in the past, you know, for the ice rink and things at Christmas. Just yeah, so it's, a big, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big, big space. It is absolutely. And you can see it from the road. So our plan um, for tomorrow is that from one o'clock until four o'clock, um, we'll have, you know, a, a good display of vehicles, everything from ambulances to fire engines. Um, you know, the the airport fire are bringing down one of their their massive um, airport fire tenders. So you know, people can have a look at it, see things that they normally wouldn't see because I suppose like the likes of the airport fire tenders, you might see them from from the the aeroplane when you land, but you you kind of don't typically get up close. Yeah, so and it, it's, it's something it's it something we see on the TV. God forbid when there's an emergency, but you don't you never get up close. Exactly, and I mean we you know things like we we all hear you know on the news I suppose you know that the the army bomb disposal team you know uh, you know made a, a device safe in in such a place. So we're expecting the, them to come as well t- uh, tomorrow. And again, it's stuff that the public don't normally get to see. So, you know, like you'll have the bomb disposal robot and the suit that they wear and, and, and things like that. You know, it's just I suppose it's it's an opportunity for the services to show off what, you know, what they do and, and leave the public actually see that these people are there in the background. We don't necessarily see them unless it's, you know, as they say, an hour, your hour of need. Um so, you know, it's it's that it's just been able to showcase everything that that's the Yeah, and do. I know you, you you like the community first responders are going to be there, the Red Cross, the civil defence, search and rescue teams. Yeah, and absolutely. again people I mean, people we hear about often get spoken about on the news, but a chance for you to meet the personnel. Exactly. I mean it's you know, again, as you said, very very right there, is that people can come out, they can meet the people, they can actually ask the questions. What is it that you do? And, you know, it's just they're always there in the background. You know, they're they're not they're not always visible. But when, you know, 99112 is rang, they're the first people to run run out. And I suppose, as they say, they're the people going in when everybody else is running out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you don't often see them. So we have our, you know, National Ambulance uh, on Garda Shea Khan at the fire service. Um, and what we're, I suppose, hoping for tomorrow and is dependent on availability is for the National Ambulance Service um, aeromedical helicopter to come in and land in the car park oh. and, again, leave people see that, um, you know, and take a few photographs and things like that. Um, and as well as that, we're also expecting um, the rescue helicopter from Waterford to come up and do a few flyovers as well. So, look, I suppose, Patricia, it's it's... It's expected to be a great day. I think the weather is expected to be good as well. It is, um, it is. And, you know, I'd encourage, you know, people to come, you know, come up to Mountain Point, you know, tomorrow and, and come and meet all the people that are, you know, standing in the background waiting for your call should the worst happen, you know. And and I think, particularly in the last week or so, Ger, 
the amount of people I've heard talk about the first responders, the the people that turn up at the worst of tragedies, particularly with the two devastating crashes that happened in Tipperary. And I've heard countless people talk about how dreadful it was for the ambulance, the Gardaí, the people from the fire service who had to turn up for those awful accidents. And as one member on Gardaí Shikona said, you know, we are family people, we're human beings, we have to go home at the end of it. And, you know, we can't unsee what we've seen. I mean, it's it's a tough job at times. It is, Patricia, yeah. And I mean, I suppose, you know, like people often say, sure, that's, that's what you're trained for. Um, you know, that's that's your job. Yes, it is. But, you know, they're human beings behind it, behind it all. And I suppose at, at the time, the training kicks in and, you know, you do what you have to do to try your best for somebody but it is harrowing afterwards when you have to go home and, and, and sit there and think, you know, that that was a tough job to do today, you know. Um, and I suppose that's that's part and parcel of National Services Day as well, is to recognise these people that, you know, they are human, they have families, and, you know, they often do have to deal with, you know, extremely harrowing um, situations. And, and it's not just often a case of you have to go home, you're, you're actually going on to the next job. Yeah. You know, like somebody else is in need. So it, it is, you know, it is a tough job for people. And that's why I think it is important that, you know, people do come out to support uh, the emergency services tomorrow. Um, 100 percent. And it's, yeah, it's also, absolutely. I think, Joe, when, when I was thinking about you coming on today, it's also a good chance for people who might be considering career choices to maybe talk to the various different personnel who will be present. It is absolutely, Patricia. And and again, look, I suppose, you know, people see the vehicles driving around, people, you know, see the news. And I don't think people often realise what's involved in the jobs that are that are being done by the, the various services. You know, um, I suppose I can only speak from an ambulance service perspective. Like we're always recruiting for emergency medical technicians, paramedics, um, control room operators, you know, and and a lot of other jobs but people don't realize the career path and that's the thing by coming out speaking to people uh, from the services it, it could actually spur something and someone said you know what that that's where i want to be in a few years time you know like as i said we have the aeromedical helicopter which is now run by the ambulance service you know we have instant response teams we, we actually have a team in dublin that you know can fly out to um to a ferry we'd say if there was a an incident on it you know so there's there's all of this stuff in the background, you know, and even even the likes of community paramedic who, you know, their their main job now is to go out and try and keep people at home rather than bring them to the emergency department. So there's all of this um, progression in the, in the various services. I'm sure like the, the Gardaí and, and the Naval Service and the fire and everything else are the exact same. And, and you know, you're, you're dead right there in that people can come out and speak to the people yeah, and, and actually... And get a feeling, it, feeling... And How long are you in the ambulance service, Sure. Um, I'm 18 years 18, now. 18, and I know yeah. you love it. I, know, I absolutely know you adore uh, your work and you are excellent at what you do. So long may you continue. Listen, Ger, um, may the sun shine down on you all tomorrow between 1 and 4 in Mahon Point uh, Shopping Centre for National Services Day and it is the Cork event. And a pleasure as always to talk to you, Ger. Thank you for Thank that. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. 0818 103 103. Our lines are uh, open on hospitality and the fact that the hospitality 
quality. VAT rate went up as and from today it was at nine. It's gone back up to 13 and a half. Somebody says, why should hospitality be given better rates of VAT? Plenty of other sectors are struggling and have been struggling. I'm sick of listening and hearing about the hospitality sector trying to hold on to their lower rate of VAT for years. They made they made huge, serious profits. Just look at the price of drink. Look at the price of hotel rooms. Look how much it costs if you go out for a meal. This country is screwed and more so it's the taxpayer has been screwed in every single sector. But the big worry, of course, there is that that VAT going up today. It is you, the taxpayer. It's you, the consumer, will be the one that will have to pay the additional VAT. You can be guaranteed that. Thank you. There's no name on this, but a lovely text in. Following my chat with Jero D. Jero joined us to talk about the National Services Day, which has been held in Cork tomorrow, an opportunity to go out and meet all the frontline workers who do such important uh, work. People from the uh, the prison service, the community first responders, the Irish Red Cross, the civil defence, the fire tenders are going to be there from uh, Cork Airport, the police and the Cork City Fire Service, the National Ambulance Service will be there, the Gardaí, the Irish Army Bomb Disposal Unit and on and on it goes. Manpoint Shopping Centre tomorrow is going to be the place to be between one and four. I think children are going to particularly love a day like this as well. So it's very much a day for all of the family. But Gerard D was speaking to us and of course Gerard is with the National Ambulance uh, Service. And that's prompted somebody to say, oh Patricia, the paramedics are angels. When somebody is acutely ill, especially if it happens in the middle of the night and you can hear the distant hum of the approaching ambulance with the blue light glowing upwards into the darkness, the feeling of relief is immeasurable. The picture That picture tells a thousand words to the waiting and deeply anxious family, informing them that help is near at hand and the professionals are able to take over. You can tell that I'm talking from experience. I love our paramedics. They're wonderful people. They are. They absolutely are. And they're the real unsung heroes that we don't get to hear a lot from. That's why you have an opportunity tomorrow uh, to meet with some of them at Mahan Point. And that's why I did uh, reference those tragic road accidents and what those paramedics and the Gardaí and the members of the fire service, what they have to face. It's just... Yeah, let's never forget how brave they are uh, as well. So thank you for that lovely text. As I say, there's no uh, name on that. Remember yesterday, we had a flurry of calls and texts in about a shocking smell. A smell of sewerage was what people were describing it. That was hanging over Clonakilty, was how one person uh, put it. So we got on to Cork County Council because uh, we were getting too many calls and texts in. That this just wasn't somebody who just had a kind of a very dodgy smell and was picking up a smell that wasn't really there. There was just, there was too many calls and texts coming in. Anyway, They've come back to us to say that the Environment and Water Services staff, as we speak, are on site in Clonakilty and they're investigating the issue. Now, we've no further information at this time, but they are aware, obviously, that there's a smell in Clonakilty and the Environment and Water Services staff are on site. So if we get anything back on that before the close of the programme, we'll bring it uh, to you because if we've a warm, we're looking forward to nice weather across the weekend and usually when you have a smell like that, particularly if it's a sewage smell, it can get worse if it's nice weather and warm weather can kind of just uh, add to it. We were talking about families and the size of families because I was referencing the latest report that's out from the Central Statistics Office based on last year's uh, census and showing the amount of adult children that are still living at home. It's actually increased since the previous census in 2016 and has really shot up since the one before that in 2011. That's prompted some commentary. Hi Patricia, why is there so much influence on families with the government 
judgment regarding properties? Why aren't they seeing after single people who work tremendously hard and simply cannot afford to buy even a small apartment on the average industrial wage? Remember, families receive huge benefits in budgets, whether it be tax breaks, free books for the primary school children, extra child benefits, free GP for the smallies, while single people don't receive any of these concessions and yet they're still expected to pay more and more for everything. And someone else says, Patricia, why is there almost a stigma attached to people living at home with their parents when they are adults. Go back about 50 years. People would actually marry into a house and then they would live with their in-laws and then they would rear their families. Now, it wasn't always easy, but it was done. There could be three generations of one family all living in the one house. Houses back 50 years ago were much smaller than the huge properties we have today. I also have the feelings of this texture. The families were happier and they were more united back then than they are uh, today. And you're right to say it wasn't easy. It wasn't always easy for the woman to move in with, with the mother-in-law there. And, you know, suddenly you two women in the kitchen. I mean, people, people told horror stories of moving in with the in-laws. But was it the done thing? It was. But I suppose over the years, it hasn't become the done thing. And I think that's why I don't think there's a stigma attached to it. It's just if you talk to those adult children who are living at home, many will say they don't want to be living back home. They don't want to be in their childhood bedroom with mammy and daddy uh, downstairs. Uh, you know, while they love mammy and daddy downstairs, they don't want to be living with them when they're adults. They want to be out on their own, but they simply can't afford it. So I don't necessarily think there's a stigma. It's just it's a choice that people don't want to make. Now, a flurry of calls in to do with electricity prices, to do with petrol prices, all tied in with our chat earlier today from with Charlie Weston from the Irish Independent. I think really saying it as it is and, you know, talking about greedflation and there is this thought that some companies and some businesses are just using the guise of higher inflation to up their prices and, you know, profits are being made and they'll be made on the back of consumers having to pay more for uh, everything. Uh, Some of your thoughts in on that, Patricia. How in the name of God are we going to get reduced energy prices in this country when we have a Green Minister in government, the same Green Minister who wants us to stop using energy altogether? He'd be long gone on a previous government except for the fact that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil need him because if if he was to go, they would go. Pathetic performance from our TDs. Why don't they who don't have to worry about cost of living crisis because they've got huge salaries and expenses. That's from Dan. Martin in Formoy is keeping an eye on petrol prices. He said one petrol station in Formoy Petrol was at 175.9. He's just checked this morning. It's gone to 179.9. Now, he said that's without the extra seven cents. That's just an increase in the cost of uh, petrol. So when you add the seven cent, when it will eventually trickle in over the next few days, the petrol will, will end up at 183.9. That's a total disgrace, says R. Martin. I can't afford it anymore. And guess what, Patricia? The petrol price will probably put it up themselves as well. Our government turned into, are turning on us the ordinary lower class Irish uh, people are they looking after us at all it's just too much money to be paying for petrol and diesel something has to give Anthony is in Bishopstown he says that he noticed petrol went up yesterday he went to fill up his car at 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon and it was 175 a litre he said when he was heading to work in the morning with it and he said oh I must get the petrol at lunchtime he said it was at 171 so at that petrol station but you see if you went in and 
asked that petrol station, they would say that they got a fill of petrol yesterday and that's what the new price was. If they get a fill today and it's even higher, it'll be even higher again because they'll have to add the VAT on anything that they get delivered as and from today. Bill in Clonakilty says petrol has already reached 185 in one petrol station in Clonakilty. West Cork can all often be, I'm, whenever I'm visiting West Cork, I always find the petrol and diesel can be very expensive uh, in West Cork. Uh, anyway, Bill said he was chatting last night about car insurance policies. He said there was a, a group of about 10 of them out. They've all noticed that their car insurance has gone up between 30 and 40 percent. Didn't we have a call about it only yesterday? Uh, Bill says since the start of the war in Ukraine all the talk has been about prices going up uh, and now that talk is gone and prices are still creeping up again. What about all the money that the government are making for multinationals? What about the Apple tax? That's still sitting in a fund, isn't it? Uh, in a bank account. Anyway, well, why not use this to try to ease the pressure on the workers, particularly those workers that are up at 6am in the morning and are continuing to uh, struggle. Thanks for that, Bill. Jim says he was listening to an American who was interviewed last night and the American was saying that if gas prices in the States were as high as petrol and diesel prices are in this country, there would be a revolution by the American people. Yet here in Ireland, we just seem to say nothing. We don't get out and protest like the French do and bring the country to a standstill. And if we did that the government would have to act and the VAT rates could have stayed at the same price and the excise on fuel could have remained uh, the same. But the VAT price in particular, Jim reckons, could have remained the same. The government couldn't could have afforded it. It's going to affect the food industry and it's also going to affect hairdressers and I'm assuming beauticians as well will all come into that. Eddie is in Bandon. He said the government deregulated the energy market and allowed all of these extra companies to bring in competition, which we were told would be good and it would lower prices. This clearly is not working, says Eddie in Bandon. So at many times the government can bring, so many times the government are able to bring in emergency legislation. We saw that happen how many times during the pandemic. Why can they not bring in some kind of legislation to force those energy companies uh, to uh, reduce their prices and stop making the hideous profits that they are uh, making. 0818 103 103. And then on just a couple of other things that people are commenting on, we're going to be talking about therapy dogs uh, going into UCC to help students that are in any way uh, stressful. And I think it's a lovely, lovely idea and we'll talk more about it. But here's the listener who has a concern about it. It says, Patricia, I think the therapy dogs at UCC can be a very good idea, but I sincerely hope that all of these dogs will be on leads. The reason why I am one of many hundreds, perhaps thousands of people who are literally terrified of dogs. Consequently, because some people fail to keep their dogs under effective control, I have to accept that I can't walk in the countryside, I can't always walk along beaches, I can't use greenways or walkways. Uh, Sometimes I can't even cross through some housing estates because there'll be dogs out loose. I just hope now that I will not have to be in fear on campus at UCC. And I'm when I saw your text come in, I'm wondering if you could interact with those therapy dogs. They are the most gentlest and highly trained dogs and they'll certainly pick up and sense uh, your fear. 
they may actually help you to overcome your fear. I'll do my best to mark that comment and I'll put it through to the person that's joining us from my canine companion later on and just see the dogs could actually be of massive benefit to you. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then Daniel was on uh, and he said it's important that we mention this today because we do our environmental series where we're, we're doing a bit for climate change in hours to protect, which is going to be coming up in this hour of the programme. Daniel said it's that time of year again when sports training has has commenced, particularly in the evening time, which he said is absolutely great. And he's a huge sport supporter. But he said this is where it can all go wrong. He said last night, for example, uh, three banks of floodlights came on in a sports pitch near where Daniel lives. They came on at 6.30. It, it lights up the whole place. They remain on until 11 o'clock for people to do the training. And he said when he was going to bed, they were still on. And he checked this morning at 9 o'clock and they're still on. He said, I'm writing today because Friday is important important to you when you do your hours to protect series. We're all being told, particularly since energy prices have gone mad, to turn off our lights, cut down on washing machines, etc. Even Eamon Ryan is advocating that we have two minute showers, get all your bits washed in two minutes and get out. Well, Patricia, the amount of energy that these floodlight use are using, and this is all over the country, the whole population of a town would be able to have a two minute shower based on the amount of electricity used by these floodlights. I think it's wrong when a huge amount of the population are really struggling with the cost of living. Now, I take it and I would need somebody who is involved with a sports club who's involved that has floodlights. I take it they're on a timer. If they were still on at nine o'clock this morning, I'm imagining that that is some kind of a mistake. Um and that will get rectified. What I would suggest, because I don't know where you're texting from or commenting from, Daniel, is get on to the sports club in your area and tell them exactly what you've pointed out to us. Yes, absolutely have them on. Half six seems a bit early at the moment. It's not that dark at half six uh, yet. Now, when we get into the winter months, you'll certainly have to have them on from half six. But maybe speak to somebody in charge of that particular sports pitch and point it out that the lights are on for excessively long period of time because I'm assuming the people who are who run the sports training facility are probably unaware that they were still on at nine o'clock this morning because they very much will be watching their energy use as well. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. C103 a person is wanted for robotic lawnmower sales, installation and service in the Broadford Limerick area. Now, a full clean driver's licence and some kind of technical aptitude will be necessary. Email info at nfm.ie. A companion slash carer is wanted. It's a live-in position in the Donorail New Tupot House area. For more details, 87 Traffic Management Operative is wanted for Cork County. You need to be over 25 with a full clean driver's licence. Uh, you can call 086 87 30732. And Shannon Vale Foods in Clonakilty are looking for a, quant- a quality control manager. You need to have a food science qualification. You email your CV to hr at shannonvalefoods.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. 
Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The Children and Adolescent Mental Health Service, known as CAMS, has been described by one local public rep as a basket case in the Cork and Kerry region. That was following the revelation that there were 950 on the waiting list for treatment at the end of last month. Sharing his concerns, Labour Deputy for Cork East, uh, Sean Sherlock. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Now, Patricia. Sean, ca- I'm very well. Calling it a basket case is very strong words. And I have to say, you made that statement before the health, the Mental Health Commission report came out yesterday. And I'm assuming your strong words, were they based on you hearing from worried parents? They are based on hearing from worried parents and based on a continuous campaign over a number of years to have both CAMS uh, and what they call the Children's Disability Network teams, uh, you know, modernised so that the waiting lists can come down. And you've heard there from the Mental Health Commission, you know, I'm glad that they've issued their report, uh, but it comes as absolutely no surprise to people like me because we've been working in this area for quite some time. I'm glad, though, that they have reported because, you know, hopefully now the HSC will take up Uh, you know, take up what's in the report and start listening. If they're not listening to opposition politicians like myself, that they should at least be listening to uh, the Mental Health Commission, which is quite a powerful body in relation to advocating on behalf of people with disabilities or, you know, mental health issues and mental, you know, right across the right across the system. But I'm calling it a basket case. It is quite strong language. And I I always seek to modify my language and, and, you know, not be too verbose about things. I'm seeing firsthand the impact that the lack of access to services uh, is having on families. And it's the biggest worry of all for parents because, and for children and young adults, is if you've a broken toe, there's there's a pathway for you. You know, if you have any kind of other physical ailment, there's a pathway for you. But if it's mental health, the pathway is a long one. Uh, It's too long to get inside the front door in the first instance. There needs to be some sort of a radical shake-up in relation to how services are delivered. And what the Mental Health Commission report is saying, what the CDNTs are saying, you know, if you go across what we call the community health organisations, there's too much of a variance. So if you're in Cork and Kerry, if you happen to live in Cork and Kerry and you need access to either mental health services or physiotherapies or psychology services or any kind of disability service, you're, you're fiercely unlucky because you will be waiting longer. If you live in Galway, for instance, or the west of Ireland, you won't be as unlucky. You won't be waiting for as long. So there has to be some sort of a national coordination now to triage lists on a national basis so that if there is capacity in one part of the country, uh, spare capacity, then transfer people into other areas. Yeah, and people people would be willing to travel. I mean, to think that there's a postcard lottery for mental uh, health... uh, Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW facilities. But what really got to me when I was reading uh, the Mental Health Commission report yesterday, I mean, we have to bear in mind it was only, uh, this is a year and a half since the publication of the report that found the uh, significant concerns about uh, what happened with care in, in Kerry. Uh, and I was reading in the report and I had to do a double take on it, that one consultant psychiatrist uh, covers 23.5 hours a week by telepsychiatry from Doha, the capital of Qatar, uh, and he, th- that person, and of the he or she, is only on site, only comes to Ireland once every three months. So we're expecting people to sit in front of, of, a, of, a, of a computer screen with somebody in Doha. Well, but this, this is how stark it is. And the one thing about mental health services is that you can pass somebody on the street, they may appear fine, but inside that there's, there could be a massive amount of anguish or turmoil. To suggest then that that person has to uh, connect to somebody, for instance, living in Doha at a time. And this is where I get annoyed. The HSE is spending millions, literally millions on consulting companies for advices on how to uh, have more efficient processes in relation to administrative functions. They are not spending millions on bringing talent in to this country, even though they're spending millions with consultancy companies, recruitment agencies to try and recruit talent, what we're not seeing is the talent coming to this country so that the very people that we're talking about can sit face to face with somebody. And it's very telling that you've, you know, articulated the point about Kerry. You know, where are the improvements in Kerry after that report? I'm not seeing them in any real or tangible way. And Niall Muldoon, 
who I think everybody would say is a fair-minded uh, children's ombudsman, you know, when he spoke about access to children's disability network teams recently said that the lack of access and the extent of the waiting lists represents a pro profound, to quote his words, profound violation of children's human rights. And I suppose this is what we're talking about at a time when there is literally the availability of millions of euros in the country. Why is it that we can't treat this issue with greater political urgency and treat it as an emergency in a way that ensures that the services can be brought to the people that need it the most. Okay, and that's an interesting point because often over the years when we talk about mental health, uh, we see it has always been underfunded. We, we've heard people in the past talk about it's the poor relation of the health service. But, but what you're saying today is that this isn't a funding issue. I, I don't think it's a funding issue at all because if, if you can... If the likes of CUH can spend a couple of million euros procuring consultancy services to, you know, make their processes more efficient, that couple of million, you know, at a time when the HSC is supposed to be delivering this service for the people anyway, from an administrative point of view, I don't see the justification for that kind of spend when, say, for instance, two million or three million euros in recruiting three or four extra psychiatrists, occupational therapists or or, or whoever, whatever skill set that you need. If you can do that, it's about misplacing your spend. It's about the lack of prioritization of where you're spending your resources. And what we have created in this country is a monstrosity, what I call it, a behemoth, a leviathan of an organization that is the HSE that needs to be pared down in a way that ensures that we don't have multiple numbers of managers in the system, but we have multiple numbers of, uh, you know, frontline occupational therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, because mental health now is a bigger part of, uh, you know, our medical need in society, in the society that we live in today. It's not just about fixing, as I say, the broken toe, uh, you know, or, or whatever. It's now also, the priority also has to be about fixing or helping people to have better qualities of quality of life in relation to their mental health. It's and so much and, and actually, have you any understanding of why we seem to be seeing an increase in the numbers of children and young people needing help with, the, with, their, with their mental health? I mean, is it just that today's world is so much more stressful or are we better at diagnosing these conditions? I think we're better at diagnosing these things. I, I don't profess to be you know, uh, as a psychiatrist or psychologist in any way. But I think we all are aware of the the pressures that young people are under today. And you have to draw a correlation, whether we like it or not, between the advances in technology, the availability of smartphones, the reliance of technology now, uh, and, and, and what... How is that being measured? The effects of technology use, how is it being measured in terms of its effect on younger minds and their mental health? And I think anecdotally, I think it would be common sense to say that it's certainly if in where you have unlimited use, it's certainly having an adverse effect on young people. There's, there has to be no doubt about that. But, but I don't have the scientific 
I know, uh, I know. Well, let's let's wait and see will the, what response and what will happen to that latest uh, report from the Mental Health uh, Commission. Now, before we let you go, Sean, it would be remiss of me not to mention the Electoral Commission and the boundary yes. shake-up that was announced this week. And I think every single newspaper article I read, every political commentator I heard speaking, were all quoting you as one of the big losers under this boundary shake-up. Mallows, two urban electoral divisions as well as the rural division moving to Cork North Central and then of course you've got Butterfin, Donnerell, Ballyclaw New Tupac House moving to Cork North West that's a hell of a lot of your support base have you decided yet what constituency you'll now run in at the next election? Well the decision is not whether I run in Cork East or Cork uh, North Central I think the decision now is uh, is whether you run at all or run in Cork North Central. I, and I'll be very honest about that, OK? Uh, because so much of my... And and I'm not morose about these things or I'm not playing the bail bucked because that's not the type of character I'd be. What I'm trying to grapple with at the moment, Patricia, is whether or not there is actually a future for me in politics. And I'll, I'll just be very honest with people about that. Because... The loss of the Budafans, the Donrells, the Mitchellstown, like, quite frankly, um, it feels like the years and years of work that you've put in and through my late father, through myself, is just literally gone in one fell swoop. And I could never run in a constituency that I don't live in. I live in the town of Mallow, you know, my family home, my family is in Mallow. I would have to stay with Mallow no matter what. So there is that sense of loss of the Cork East part of the constituency. So I'm just, I suppose, outlining it in very human terms that I have to know, I'm in the middle now of trying to grapple with the enormity of the decision. But I have to put things into perspective. You know, perspective means that there are so many different there are so many people out there who have to grapple with far more challenges than I have to grapple with, uh, you know, from a I know, I know. But, 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 but However, had, you, had you ever considered not running in the next election prior to this commission report? Oh, God, uh, no, the fire was in the belly, like, and the fire is still in the belly to keep going, you know. But, but, but what I have to grapple with, I have a young family. Um, I, w- what it would mean is you're literally starting out again in a whole new territory uh, where you're trying to form relationships, build up a body of work in such a short space of time. And that challenge is a massive undertaking. So like I'm just giving you the human element of that. The human element of that is that will mean being out all, all hours, every hour of the day, every waking moment to try and do that. And I have to consult with my colleagues. I have to do further consultation with my family, you know, because there's, you know, family is a big, the biggest component of this. I have to talk to my, you know, colleague, John, Councillor John Marr. John Marr was the candidate for the Labour Party in Cork North Central at the last election. Myself and John, we've spoken twice in the last day or so. We have to sit down. We have to tease out matters as well. Um, We have to look at, you know, we just have to give it a bit of time. Yeah, and, and, there, and there's no, there's no, the ru- there, there, I suppose there, there is no rush. But if you were to leave politics, Sean, what, what would you do with yourself? Oh, well, I, I, 
Do you know what, Patricia? I'll be very honest with you. I, I haven't thought about what I would do if I was to leave politics. The only thought in my mind after this call, and I'll be frank about it, is I have to collect the little fella from the preschool and then I have a, an afternoon of work then ahead of me in terms of representing the people. So, I ha- and quite honestly, I haven't thought beyond that and okay. I have a load of people to get back to today. Okay, and, you know what I mean? So, and going to the, the play school is, is, the, is, is one of the very important ones for today. Okay, well, look, <laughs> just, just keep us posted. That's all that we ask. Keep us updated. No, 100%. And, and may I just say that, like, we, my office continues to be open. We continue to work on behalf of the people. No, no matter who comes to us, we'll always try and help people, regardless of constituencies. But I suppose what I'm saying is that there's just a little bit of time to be taken to consider all of the options. But by no means, we're, we have a long way to go before a decision is made. And I'm very grateful still for the opportunity to continue to represent people. I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And we just have to take a little bit of time. Okay. That's all. Uh, okay. Just consider we'll, we'll speak again, Sean, in the meantime. Thank you for that. And thanks Thank for joining you, us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, currently Cork East Dáil Deputy for the Labour Party. That is uh, Sean Sherlock. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we talk to a deposit and return company tackling single-use packaging in the hospitality sector. Coffee is an essential part of daily life for Irish people and the demand has never been higher. Unfortunately, this increasing demand for coffee has also resulted in a surge of coffee cup waste in Ireland. To address this issue, the Irish government's introducing a coffee cup levy. A new national survey of over 500 Irish coffee drinkers shows how much it has taken over, with 62% of Irish people drinking coffee at least two a day. So it can only be presumed many of these coffees are in takeaway cups. Reusable cup culture took a hit in Ireland over the pandemic, with many cafes calling a temporary ban on them in an effort to stop the spread of COVID. To-go cup is a deposit and return scheme aiming to prevent the production, consumption and landfill created by single-use cups. Founder and Chief Executive Kevin Murphy explains how it works. Someone coming into a coffee shop, the easiest way to explain it. So when you come in, nothing will change. You'll order your cappuccino, you pay for your cappuccino, and then you'll just pay €2 extra for a to-go cup, a reusable alternative to a single-use cup. Go about, enjoy your day, and you can drop back to any of the 400 locations across the country and get your €2 back or simply swap the cup and order another coffee and get that in a clean cup. So where did the idea come from for to-go cup? So in Ireland, we use 200 million single-use cups across the country every single year. It breaks down to about 550,000 per day or 22,000 for every hour. Now, the reality is less than 1% of these cups end up composted or recycled. So the other 99% end up in landfill or incineration. Now, the obvious solution is a keep cup, but the reality is about 7 in 10 of us here in Ireland already own a keep cup or equivalent. But only 1 in 10 of us are actually using it. So we tried to come up with a solution that would provide a reusable option for people going to get their coffee, going about their normal day without the hassle of carrying and cleaning it all the time. The best analogy we give is like the shopping trolley. You plug in your two euro, use the trolley as you would going to do your regular shop. When you're done with the trolley, you can drop it back just like you can drop back the cup and get your money back.
Every year, producing paper coffee cups account for the cutting down of 6.5 million trees, as well as using 4 billion gallons of water and enough energy to power 54,000 homes for a year. This renders a massive environmental impact in the form of deforestation. Meanwhile, the single-use nature of the paper cup and its cardboard counterparts simultaneously creates a massive amount of trash, polluting our land and water alike. While a variety of different types of plastic cups exist, they all take a considerable amount of energy and resources to produce. and The aftermath of the disposal creates an even larger environmental burden. The sheer amount of waste produced from plastic and paper cups is overwhelming. Every time you pour yourself a steaming cup of hot coffee or tea to drink in your reusable cup, you save at least one single-use cup from hitting the landfill or ocean. Every time it's a to-go cup, you can know that you're drinking out of a completely Irish-made product. So produced here in Ireland, it's been a big thing we've wanted to tackle over the last couple of years and we're delighted to bring it to production here um, across 2023. So it's been very, very exciting and uh, very much a grass-led company and we're, we're proud of it. Last July, the Clowney Coffee Cup project was launched with an aim to make it Ireland's first single-use coffee cup-free town. Organisers estimate the project will remove over 1 million single-use coffee cups from the town annually, or 18.5 tonnes of waste. The local independent coffee shops and hotels no longer offer single-use coffee cups since July 31st. I think there's over 50 businesses in that region alone. But other than that, we have a further 350 locations nationwide, and they're ranging from large-scale office spaces right up here in Dublin City to Cork down to independent coffee shops nationwide. I think we have four or five other towns across the country who've got in touch and looking to do the same thing in their area, which is brilliant. Um, other than that, outside of Ireland, we've had requests from as far as um, Western or Western province in Australia, equally California as well. So um, it's certainly put a significant flagship project here in Ireland um, on the map for reuse, which is brilliant. And to learn more about reusable cups, visit to Go Cup online or check the show notes of this episode. And we're stronger when Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman, with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. And thanks to uh, Barry for this week's Ours to Protect. We'll have more of the same uh, next uh, week on Sean Sherlock and the possibility that he's considering not running if he has to lose his Mallow uh, base. Uh, Anya says, Patricia, I can't say enough good things about Deputy Sean Sherlock and indeed his sister. They work so hard for a problem I had and they work so hard with a great result. Uh, I'd like to publicly thank them. That's from uh, Anya. Thank you for that, Anya. And then another Anya, but this time it's an Anne. Anne has been on to say, Patricia, would you give a shout out, please, to the Fogues? They are a band from Mitchellstown and they're actually playing on Sunday at Electric Picnic. They'll be on in the Hazelwood stage at uh, four. And the reason Anne knows all about it, uh, Anne's son, Jack, is a member of the band. So if you're heading to Electric Picnic, make sure you head to the Hazelwood stage Sunday at four. 
and uh, spend some time listening to the folks. That's a great, great opportunity for a young band from Mitchellstown. Uh, we wish them well with it. Met Aaron have named the storms for the coming season, 2023-2024 uh, season. And it seems um, Irish scientists are being given the nod and remembered in our uh, storms. Now, Met Aaron, we team up with the UK Met Office and we also team up with the Netherlands Weather Service, their equivalent of their Met, Met, uh, Met Office. And the three Met offices get together and they decide on the storms and then all three will use the same name for the storms for that particular uh, season. And each weather service, they're asked to put seven names forward onto the list. So this year, Met Aaron chose uh, Agnes, Fergus, Jocelyn, Kathleen, Lillian, Nicholas and uh, Vincent. And what Met Aaron do, they allow the public to choose some of the names, not all of the names. Like, for example, they asked for the letter A was was one of the letters that Met Aaron was given. So they asked the public to to pick the letter A and the winning uh, result, the winning result was Agnes, but it refers to an Irish astronomer astronomer and science writer Professor Agnes Mary Clark and then the letter J that is is representative of Professor Johnson Bell Burnell uh, who was who discovered the first pulsating radio stars um, back in 1967 and actually um, Professor Bell Burnell said she was delighted to be included in the distinguished list of uh, storms and she says I hope that if a potential storm Jocelyn happens it may be a useful stirring up rather than a destructive event and I think that's what we'd all want if we get a storm named after us we don't want it to be a destructive event that we'd remember for all the wrong reasons and then the other names Fergus is Fergus O'Rourke he uh, contributed to a branch of science that deals with ants of all things. Uh, Kathleen is Kathleen K. McNulty. She was one of the mothers of computer programming. Lillian is named after Lillian Bland, an Anglo-Irish journalist and a pioneer aviator. She's possibly the first woman in the world to have built and flown her own aeroplane and she's of Anglo-Irish heritage. Go on, Lillian. And then Nicholas is Nicholas Callan. He's a physicist who invented the induction coil, which is still used today. And Vincent Barry is an organic chemist known for leading the team that actually developed anti-leprosy drug. He'll be well remembered uh, for uh, that. And storms are named when they can cause what's deemed either medium or high impacts on any one of the three partner uh, countries. So that's the only time that they will actually say we are now calling this weather event a uh, storm. I mean, they do have the other different warnings that they use, you know, like a yellow warning or a red warning, they still remain in, in place. But they use the storms then if they think it's going to be particularly bad. And it's, it's part of Met Aaron's uh, service warning arsenal is what uh, is how they, uh, they use it. And storm naming happens in conjunction uh, with, with the regular red and yellow weather warnings. And seemingly, first of all, Met Aaron, we first partnered with the UK Met Office to start naming storms and that was back in 2015. Up to that we all had our own uh, storms so the easiest way was that we would team up particularly between Ireland and England and I don't know why but for some reason Netherlands decided to get involved so maybe our storms have a tendency to pass over and move on to the Netherlands so they got involved in 2019 and some of the other names on the list are Babette uh, there's a Kiron with a father on the end. Now, that hasn't come from the Irish uh, list. I wonder, did that come from Netherlands to come from the UK? Debbie is in there with an I, D-B-I. Elan, Gerrit, Henk, Isha, Minnie, Olga, 
uh, Piet, Stuart and Wallet are some of the other ones. I'd love if we ever got to use the letter M and we were talking about Storm Mini because it doesn't, Storm Mini doesn't really sound that frightening, does it? 0818103103. Some of your commentary coming in. Uh, still getting reaction to Sean Sherlock who joined us in the last hour and I did ask him how he's feeling about losing so much of his power base moving out of uh, Cork East and as he said to us on the programme, he is still deciding what is he going to do? Is he going to move to the new constituent for him a new constituency of Cork North Central which is where Mallow will now go at the next election or he's even pondering that he would give up politics altogether if he can't represent the people of Mallow and the surrounding areas that he's represented he and his father before him for probably the last uh, six decades a number of people saying what a loss it would be to uh, Mallow Town if we lost Sean Sherlock as a public rep I hope he decides to stay and Michael Reardon is in Bantry he says uh, Sean Sherlock is a gentleman and Una his sister is just so nice he would also hate to see him leave politics Uh, staying in Mallow this is to do with Bridge Street that we've been talking about all week because the noise that's been going on at night now it is to finish up on the second so it should be finished tomorrow I take it this evening will probably be the last night of overnight works but Mary was down in that area yesterday and she was waiting at the traffic lights at the plaza from Mallow Town and she said oh my god on the footpath just outside downtown Chipper there were barriers on the footpath and Mary, as she was sitting there waiting for the lights uh, to change, she spotted a wheelchair user who had to go out onto the road to get past the barriers in the hope that the lorry coming against them from Bridge Street would wait for the wheelchair user, which obviously I'm assuming that they did, but those uh, barriers did not leave room for a wheelchair user, says Mary. And then another thing that we dealt with yesterday, we had a call in from Richard in Mallow, who was got a bit of a shock. He got his car insurance premium in, in the post and he said nothing had changed year on year in that he didn't have any claims. The car had hasn't changed. He's not doing any additional driving and his premium last year was 321. So when he opened his premium yesterday, he discovered it was going up by 140 euro and he thought that's way too much. So he contacted his insurance company and they said, sorry, can't do anything for you. Costs are rising. This is the new premium. Kind of take it or leave it. They weren't willing to do anything uh, for him. So we had said to Richard, go away and shop around. And we also asked him to come back and let us know how he got on. So he was back on to us this morning to say he has ended up going with the AA. That's who he rang. They gave him an insurance premium of €306, which is actually less than what he paid last year. And for an additional sum, he can also become a member of AA and get breakdown assist. So his total comes to €390, which is still cheaper than the quote he got from his other insurer, And he has the additional benefits now of the breakdown assist. So his message to everybody today, if you get your car insurance premium, make sure that you shop around. There are better offers out there. Oh, thank you for that, Richard. 0818103103. When I had Sean Sherlock on the programme, we were talking about CAMS, the Child and Adult Mental Health uh, Service, which just seems to be yet again in crisis. And uh, we were talking about the fact that the Commission, the Mental Health Commission, issued a report yesterday, which is really quite damning and it depends on what part of the country you live in and I just think for any family who've got a child who's battling a mental health issue it shouldn't be a postcard lottery whether they're going to get the care and attention that they need. Somebody says Hi Patricia I am a Cork psychotherapist and I've worked with teenagers, children and families and I've been doing that for over 18 years. I'm actually a forever Pieta House 
therapist. I set up a waiting list of free support for families. The Calm Parenting Community is what it's called, where parents can get the answers that they are need that they need while waiting. Thank you for that. If people want to check that out, uh, Calm Parenting uh, Community. And then someone else by text says, Patricia, there's no point speaking about the HSE. I'm sick of the politicians talking about the fact that we don't have enough nurses, we don't have enough doctors, we don't have enough speech and language therapists, OTs, physiotherapists, psycho psychotherapists, psychiatrists. The reason that we don't is because all of our young, men, medically trained young people are emigrate, emigrating. The government needs to do something about this. I am not happy that my taxes pay to train and educate these young people. And then as soon as they, they're trained, guess what? They're off on the plane to sunnier climes. This has to stop. They need to be forced to sign some kind of a contract compelling them, the fact that they got the education in this country, that they must stay on and work in the public health system for at least five uh, years. Um, and that way they're not thinking about the people who paid for their education when they're taking off on their jet planes. And that's not the first time I've heard that suggestion before. Thank you for your text. Then on fuel prices and electricity prices and everything going up, the fuel prices seems to be the one that is engaging a lot of people today. William is in Kilbehany. He has noticed that some garages, they can actually be side by side in any town around uh, the country. And he said there can be six cents of a difference between in one garage and another garage it's diesel prices in particular he's keeping an eye on he's obviously a diesel driver so the key there is keep a look at when you're driving into a forecourt and there's and you need to get petrol or diesel and there's another forecourt nearby check the prices. Also, William's friend decided to go uh, electric, getting on great with his electric car. But recently on a drive to Sligo, it took William's friend twice as long because he had to stop to uh, a couple of times to recharge. So there are pluses and minuses to driving an electric car. Donald says, Patricia, the fuel tax increases. This is the rise in excise duty from uh, today. That will drive the price of everything through the roof because, of course, we need to get items delivered. We need fuel uh, in for to produce items so everything will go up. And Jonah reckons it's time the hauliers got together and bring this country to a standstill. They are the group that have the power to do it because it's the hauliers are the ones who are going to be most affected by those excise increases today. That's from uh, Donal. Is there a name on this one? There is from Kieran. Thank you, Kieran, for putting your name on your text as you're discussing fuel price hikes this morning. I would like to mention a topic of interest. I'm self-employed and I am a, a small van driver. I've recently converted from diesel to using HVO. This is the hydro generated vegetable oil fuel. Now it's a straight swap and it can be added to existing diesel in your tank and there's no edif- engine modifications needed, etc. I'm very pleased with it so far and as it's carbon neutral and sustainable, I feel I'm making a positive move from from diesel. Um, now, it is about 10 cent per litre more expensive than diesel. I know the HVO fuel is not widely available in many fuel stations at the moment, but I would recommend to people who are interested in changing from diesel, do it for environmental uh, reasons. The price of HVO in my local fuel station at the moment is 177 per uh, litre. And I'm now beginning, I'm now asking, will HVO fuels 
also be going up in price. I've searched the web and I can't seem to find any information on it. Would any of your listeners know? Would any of you have information regarding uh, this or could somebody try to uh, find out? Yeah, you see, they hate, I, I still, and I know during the week we had somebody else who's also driving with this um, vegetable oil fuel and was giving out about the fact that it was the same price or a little bit more expensive than a diesel. Couldn't understand why when you don't have all of the other reasons for fuel being brought into this country. This is produced uh, here in this, here in Ireland. Uh, is there excise duty on HVO? Because if there is excise duty, and I haven't heard it mentioned, so that's the question we'll try and find out because if there is if there is excise duty, then it will go up. But does it fall into the diesel category? Does it fall into the petrol category? I don't know. But but a lot of people are asking why is it gone? Why is it as expensive? It surely should be cheaper. But maybe it will get cheaper as more people use it and more fuel stations start to stock it. That could be it. But we'll see what we can find out. But if anyone else in, in listening is in the know on the hydro vegetable oil, hydro generated vegetable oil. Will that be going up because of excise uh, duty? Does anybody know? 0818 103 103. And Heidi says, Patricia, people are all on about the hike in prices in fuels and the hike in prices on everything. One thing we can all do maybe is start to sign petitions. Maybe if we put petitions inside in shops so that people can sign them when they're out and about, then get all of these petitions to the TDs who then can present them to the government. We have to to stand together and stand up and let these people who we put in government to work for us, not against us, that we are really being crippled with the cost of living. We as voters need to remember all this bull. Uh, we are having heaped on us by this government. So when it's time for, to vote, we do what's needed to vote them out, says Heidi. But maybe in the meantime, if we could form some kind of a national cert, national petitions that would be taken up all over the country, getting the message through to the government that we all need a bit of a break. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. This evening at half past seven, prayers will be recited at the Tree of Hope in Kilbrin Cemetery. They'll be led by Father Michael Leader, who is the local parish priest. It's for those who lost their lives through suicide and for those who are suffering from mental illness, all are welcome. Kildallery Bingo is on tonight, 8 o'clock in the store at the Creamery Yard at 8. They have a jackpot of €2,300. And Kjol Corky, that's the annual festival of trad music, will be held tomorrow in Patrick Street outside Brown Thomas from 10am in the morning to 5pm. A number of Kjoltis branches will also play music in shopping centres throughout the day. Keep a look out for them. And staying on Kjoltis, music enrolment for Fremont Kjoltis will take place tomorrow from 10am to 1 in the Heritage Centre in Fremont. For more information on instruments being taught, you can text 086 197 1005. And please note that all pupils must be registered by the 20th of uh, September. And good luck to everybody involved in Ahiol Vintage Harvest Day. That's on next Sunday with a vintage ploughing competition, a dog show, fun train rides for the children, food stalls, silage cutting, something for all the family. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. See mig.ie. 
You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Today on C103. Now, University College Cork has launched a new programme enabling students to avail of therapy dogs for support and stress relief during their time on campus. The programme is in collaboration with the Cork-based charity My Canine Companion. And joining me from the charity is Nicole Duggan, who is Events and Content Manager with My Canine Companion. Uh, good morning to you, Nicole. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Is this the first programme of its kind at a university, do you know? It is, yeah. So it's the first programme of its kind um, in Ireland in a university. So it's actually following on from my Canine Companion's school therapy dog programme. Um, so we would have a school um, programme where we have 40 dogs now placed in schools around the country um, supporting staff and students. And we've seen huge benefits for for both neurotypical kids and kids who have additional needs. So it's expanding out now into the university campus, obviously, where stress is very common. Do you know, and it's a, uh, definitely a, one of the biggest reported barriers that we've seen to um, academic success. So it's um, that's how PAUSE came about. Yeah, that's you're calling a PAUSE. And, and who, approached, yeah. who approached who to introduce it? So we would have had a very good working relationship with UCC all along anyway. And our dogs would have been in and out with our training staff um, on campus for for training and stuff. We would have um, Dr. Irene Hartigan, who's a senior lecturer in UCC, holds one of our um, breeding dogs. And she would bring her Jackie in and out with her to college and stuff. So it kind of naturally developed. Um, And then Dr. Michael Byrne from UCC actually contacted us about making it an initiative and making it a programme going forward. So obviously we were very, very interested after seeing the results and seeing the support that the dogs have given to kids in schools. um, University can obviously be a very, very stressful time for all students. But especially for new students going in and first years. And I think that's why at the moment it's so um, important with the launch as well, with orientation week and that starting. Yeah. Um, so PAUSE came about promoting academic well-being and support um, at UCC. And as I said, it's the first of its kind now in a university well done, in Ireland. Well, well done, well done. And, and can you just outline how it'll work? So the programme, it's going to be um, developed in-house with MCC over the next few years. So it's going to be very much um, led by MCC staff, as in on campus with dogs, supporting the students and staff, helping them to learn about um, handling of dogs, what the dogs can do. And obviously we're there for um, full support and the welfare of the dogs. And then it means that over time we can actually see where it leads to. So where are the areas that students and staff are benefiting most about it and then develop the programme from there. So it's very much led um, by students and staff. So we will be um, on campus and very much led by McCain and Companion for the first year. Um, And as it develops and as we have handlers, experienced handlers who've gotten training from our staff and we have more dogs in on campus, then the responsibility will be handed over, not fully to UCC. We will always be with them for support and on campus with them, but it will develop naturally that a staff member or a student can appear to be a handler. Um, 
and there will be certain areas that that dog will be accessible to students and staff to support them through their day on campus. And would you, so ID- um, would you ideally like to see the day where they would be breeding puppies on the UCC grounds for their all own of, therapy all dogs? dogs? Yeah, so that to be put in through the programme will come from um, my training companions. So we have a full breeding programme for our service dog programme as well. Um, and obviously breed all of our own dogs for their temperament and for their um, sensory feedback and everything that goes with that. So it will be very similar to that. We will place the dogs with UCC in time um, and they will come up through a full training programme to ensure that they are of the highest standard to give the support on campus as well. So it isn't just a case of dogs uh, roaming around UCC. And the reason that I mentioned that is when I mentioned earlier that you were going to be coming on the programme, we had one person contact us who's absolutely terrified of dogs and is fearful that while she's on campus that the dogs will be off the lead. No, that will never happen. So they are working dogs. They will be in jacket when they're on campus. So there will always be a hander with them, whether that is an MCC staff member with the dog, which will be what's happening now, um, or a handler within UCC. They will have been trained up through a programme. So the dog will never be off the lead in a in a situation where it can approach someone like that who is fearful. Everyone's needs are being taken into account. And obviously there will be people who don't like dogs or who have a fear there. Um, and that's not going to impact on their university life either. This is always going to be a positive interaction and a source of support. And if it's something that someone doesn't want to access or something that a fear is uh, is there with it, then we are not going to impact negatively on their, yeah, but their I, experience. But I, when, I, when I saw that message uh, come in, uh, Nicola, I, I was thinking, because your, your dogs are highly trained, they're the most wonderful, yeah. placid, beautiful, beautiful creatures interaction with the dog like that might actually help somebody get over their fear of dogs. Definitely. And we do have even people on our service dog programme who family members would have had a fear. And over time, because of the training that the dog gets and their temperament, their interaction is totally different to a pet or a family, a family dog, that that fear actually um, decreases. Yeah. And they we've had parents who would have said to us that they would have been afraid of dogs first day, but knew they needed it for their child. And now they are the dog's best friend. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So it can turn into a very positive thing that way as well for people who would have a fear. You mentioned your service dogs. Is there a difference between your service dogs and your therapy dogs? So our service dogs would be matched with um, a specific child. We're the largest provider in Ireland. So they're matched with a specific family. They work with one child and they help them with transitioning um, they help them with safety would be the major feature. So our service dogs would actually be attached to a child to help them to get out and about in society. Um, and it opens up a whole new world for the family, whereas the therapy dog wouldn't be matched to a specific person. Um, it would be that like the dogs on campus that are there to support people if they w- need the support or if they want the support, but it wouldn't be matched to a specific student on campus, if that makes sense. Yeah. And as you say, you, you run a similar programme. I didn't realise that you were in 40 schools. And who takes, yeah. the, who takes the dogs home at night? So in the school programme, and it will be very similar when dogs are placed um, for UCC. So it's either a teacher or an SNA, sometimes even the principal. Um, yeah. And then the dog goes into school during the day. They support the staff and the students. They have a quiet place where they go and rest and they get their downtime, their time off, which is very important. Um, and then they go home with them at nighttime. So they have that family unit, but also have their working time within school. And the benefits of it have been enormous. Um, for students across the country. So we have 40 
um, school dogs now in schools across the country and they're making an enormous impact. They really br- are. It's brilliant. I was on, you have a great website, by the way, if, if people want to check it out, oh, uh, My Canine Companion. It's it's excellent. I was looking at some of the, the videos, particularly of the families who have yeah. got one of your service dogs. My God, Nicola, the difference it can make to a family's life. It's an it's- enormous, yeah, enormous. And I, I started out as a service user myself, so my own son um, would be a service user and he was matched with his dog and she, he was the child that was in the buggy and you've probably seen that in the videos. He was the child, he's a, a bolter. He runs yeah, and he sees yeah. no danger and she's now like attached to him um, nearly five years. She's qualified nearly five years and we've been able to do things that we never could have done before we had Willow. He's been able to go to his first concert. It's brought on his social um, connections with people. It's a conversation starter. So the the benefits are huge. Do you know what I mean? They are and I've seen it myself with my son. He's come on so much because of his dog um, and do you know the, all they want is love that's all they want and that's one thing with him his speech wasn't the best when he was matched with her first and he had very little and she never expected anything from him that a human would have and that's how the bond grew so fast with them so um, yeah so we would that's be incredible. the largest provider in Ireland and helping families nationwide so it's do you have a waiting list we do. So we have um, our waiting list actually opened in January of this year. We've committed to opening our list every year. Um, when we opened this year, we had over 2000 applicants for our service dog programme. And due to resources and staffing and everything, obviously, we can't assess 2000 families. So um, we had 100 spots, but it works off a lottery system. So it's the fairest way for um, us to do it because everybody who applies needs it, obviously. But we will be hoping to open um, our list again early in the new year. And is that what happens? You you apply and then you need to be assessed because because I take it a service dog mightn't work or a therapy dog mightn't work for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. And I think that's very important for um, people to realise that what works for one child doesn't work for every child. Do you know what I mean? And it's very, um, our programme is very specific. We will place the puppies um, or the dog as a puppy. So they grow up with the child. They grow up with the family. There's a huge commitment there for the family to attend. They attend classes with our training staff. They socialise the puppy in the places where their families need to access Um, And then it means that by the time they get to graduation, that the family are confident in handling their dog and also the bond more or less has formed with the child. Now, there is some kids that it doesn't form until they actually get that attachment and they see the freedom that this dog is going to give them. Um, But it doesn't like it doesn't work for everybody. And that's why we would assess every family's needs individually to make sure that the program is the right fit for them. And I, I don't know if it's deliberate on your behalf or not, Nicola, but you oh, you seem to have the most beautiful, gorgeous dogs. Is is there a particular breed? <laughs> They're all, you go home we, with all of them. They like. are very good looking. Yeah. Um, we would use, we would use, um, primarily we would use poodle crosses. Um, the reason being is that they are big, sturdy dogs for attachment for kids to be able to anchor a child. But also the sensory feedback that you get from their coat is very different to that of a shedding dog. And a lot of the kids would have, and adults even, 
um, would have sensory aversions to um, hair on their hands. My little boy would be kind of like that. So they would be non-shed and it just makes them have the sensory impact that when they're walking along, they can rub the dog to calm themselves down as well. So it's not just for their looks, but you know, they (laughs) are very good. And they they also say that whatever it is about the breed of poodle, they're one of the most intelligent dogs. So if you can get across the and They're very in tune. Um, and very loving, very um, attentive. They're, yeah, they are, I'm biased. They're lifesavers. <laughs> they really are. Just, they're life changers. Do you know, and as a service user, I can say that they are life changers. And whenever I'm talking with a charity like yours, uh, Nicole, we have to mention the word of money and funding. Yes, uh, firstly, yes. um, are you, do you get state funding? No, we get no government funding. Um, all of our work is continued. We like we do everything through fundraising and charitable donations. So that's how we continue our work. So obviously we're always fundraising and um, looking for volunteers to fundraise for us, to hold events for us. Um, and of course, we have the charity events that go on throughout the year as well. So this year we've had some very good ones. We had a walk from um, nine members walked from Dublin to Cork to raise funds for the charity over seven days. Um, and we have an Absil Off Pro Park coming up was, as well. So I we're was, constantly yeah, fundraising. I was, yeah. I was I was looking at that on, on your website yesterday, the Absail. If anybody yeah. ever considers abseiling for Croke Park, you're doing it on the fifteenth of September if people the 15th, would fifteenth, yeah. And I have event. just had a few cancellations for it. Oh, so if anybody go. wants to um do it. Um, to get in contact by email with us we will um, the only thing that we are asking of people obviously we have to cover the cost of it um, is to that everyone who commits to doing it has to raise 350 euro and all of the funds raised outside of paying for the ab sale itself goes to the charity well so um, I'm, I'm yeah. taken aback that you get absolutely zero state funding yeah. when you, when you yeah. consider the work and the difference you're making in people's lives I know. And you know what it is? It's, it's, I suppose that we've always been, um, fundraising and doing it through donations. And it is, it, it gets harder. Obviously, and COVID had a massive impact on that where we had to change everything up because in person fundraising completely stopped. Now it has opened up a whole new digital side of things, but, um, to continue the work and with the growth that these programs are having. Um, funding is, it's an enormous, enormous thing for us. Yeah, you know? It's tough. It's tough. Listen, you're doing fantastic work. Keep it up. Thank uh, you. And the best of luck with PAUSE, this new programme in University College Cork. I have a, a funny feeling it's going to be a hugely, hugely uh, successful and that other universities might uh, take on board the programme as well. But in the meantime, uh, Nicole, thank you for joining us and talking to us on the programme. Thank you so much. Bye Talk bye. to you soon. Bye bye. What a lovely lady. That is uh, Nicole Duggan, who is the events and uh, content manager with my canine companion and go on their website. They really have a gorgeous uh, website because it just when you some of the families were decided to do little videos just to let people know it's because it's it's one of those things you don't know until it lands on your doorstep. If you get uh, a child on the autism spectrum that might need the help of a therapy dog it's only when that dog arrives and you see the dog in practice at work the difference it can make it it really really is uh, incredible so uh, good luck to everybody involved with my canine uh, companion well by the way somebody was on to say there is part of a truck of a tyre somebody says it may have been a blowout from a truck because it's a large piece of a tyre and it's on the main road heading in to Mallow towards the Annabella roundabout which is a busy busy spot and what cars are driving up to it and then suddenly swerving to avoid it so it, it, it could cause an accident we need to try and get it removed but in the meantime just be careful if you're approaching the Annabella roundabout 
uh, coming into Mallow, I'm assuming from the Cork side. Uh, just keep a lookout for that part of a tyre. It looks like a blowout from a large truck. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. And Eilish says, well, we might knock the HSE and the Minister for Help. We also have to pat them on the back when they do things uh, right. And Eilish says well done on the extension of the free contraception for older uh, well they've pushed up the ages I won't quite say older women it's been extended actually it's from today uh, women now aged 27 up to 30 uh, will be able to get free contraception there's about two and a half thousand GPs and 2,000 pharmacies have all signed up to deliver this uh, service now this scheme uh, was launched only about a year ago initially it was for 17 to 25 year olds uh, those women could get free contraception then they brought it up in January of this year to 26-year-olds and today now it's gone up to the age of 30. So anyone from 17, any female from 17 to 30 uh, can now get free contraception. And the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, said it's open to women, girls and other people identifying as transgender or non-binary. Uh, they must be a resident in Ireland, uh, obviously, and they must get a prescription that's deemed suitable by their doctors. He said Ireland has come a long way in terms of the support that it offers for sexual and reproductive health and rights, gender equality and family planning. God, you remember, think once upon a time when, when contraceptions were illegal in this country. Did we ever see the day where the government would be giving them free uh, to uh, girls from 17 to uh, 30. Uh, he said increasing the access to free contraception through this scheme and there's also the National Condom Distribution Service. He said it's a key priority of uh, the government and he also points out, you know, in the context of the current cost of living crisis, given the higher cost of prescriptions for contraception, which is typically faced by women, the scheme impacts positively on gender equality because it will reduce the cost for women and indeed for their partners and families. Now, the scheme covers consultation with the GP or if somebody opts to go into a family planning uh, clinic or into a student health or primary care centre and then once they get their prescription uh, for all types of different contraception they then are available free under the HSE reimbursement uh, list and the choice goes right across from the long acting reversible contraception, things like injections implants, the hormonal or the copper IUD uh, devices, they're all covered as indeed are the emergency emergency contraception, the morning after pill, uh, the oral contraception, all uh, free of charge under this uh, scheme. Now, prescriptions obviously are dispensed at a local uh, pharmacy, uh, but you must go to your GP first and then all costs will be covered by the state. And one that I wasn't aware of is the National Conduct condom scheme that supports sexually transmitted infection protection and accessible contraception for men and their partners and those condoms are available from free from STI clinics also related charities and other organisations and they're also available on third level campus so a step in the right direction and I suppose showing how this country has moved so Eilish says give credit where credit is due that as and from uh, today the extension of free contraception now for women up to the age of 30.
And that's where I've got to wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing today and indeed uh, for all of this week. Up next is Nick Richards. Have a nice weekend. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.